Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gents. This is a boy, Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome and international podcast. Good wine and great laughs. Season 6, episode 17. And today's topic is Carolyn Bryant is dead. You will know shortly the type of wine I am drinking. So, ladies and gents, let's get this party started. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is a boy, Casanova from Orlando, Florida, on this awesome international podcast, Good Wine and Great Laughs, Season 6, Episode 17. And once again, today's topic is Carolyn Bryant is dead. And today is Saturday, April 29th, 2023, and the weather here in Orlando will be partly cloudy. In the morning with a potential severe thunderstorm in the afternoon, highs of 90 and lows of 71. And ladies and gents, before I jump right on the topic, I will let you know about the wine of the day here at Casa Casanova. And ladies and gents, today we are going to California. Los Angeles, California. I found this wine from this brand called St. Antonio Winery. First of all, I thought it was St. Antonio, Texas, but no, it's in... This is St. Antonio Winery. It's located in California. <clears throat> it is American red wine. It's called Cardinale American Sweet Red. And according to the label in the back, it states that since 1917... Uh, San Antonio Winery has won numerous gold medals and international awards. Our family now spans for generations of winemaking tradition. Cardinale is a dark, sweet red wine with its lovely aromas of ripe berries. Chilled and served this refreshingly unique wine with your favorite dishes. Uh, alcohol percent of this wine here is 11.5 and this wine received the Riboli Family American Winery of the Year for 2018 according to the wine enthusiast so let's see what Cardinale is all about Alright, alright, alright. Beautiful ruby collar. Okay, I like the bouquet of this wine. 
Very good one, ladies and gents. Not too, I mean, there's a level of sweetness, but it's not that so sweet that, you know, it's like, oh my God, I feel like I'm drinking nothing but honey. It is not. I really like this wine, ladies and gents. I'll definitely give a 10 for Cardinale. Very, very good wine. And this wine is going to make a spot on my wine collection, empty bottle wine collection. And you will see a picture of this wine on all my social medias. All you need to do is type the name Good Wine in Great Laughs. And you're going to see on Instagram, uh, Facebook, on my Facebook page, for my podcast as well. On the LinkedIn, you're going to see a picture of this wine. If you like to purchase and try yourself as well. On my YouTube channel, you're going to see the image of the YouTube on my YouTube page, once channel, once you are, once I do my video of today's podcast. All right, ladies and gents, so let's jump right on the topic. And you may be asking, Casanova, who is Carolyn Bryan? Carolyn Bryan, ladies and gents, for those that do not know or may forgot about her name, was the lady... Then 1955 in Mississippi accused Emmett Till of put her hand, put his hand on her and talk fresh to the white woman in, in Mississippi. And you know, back in the days, you know, that was a huge situation. And this young 14 years old by a boy from Chicago that was in Mississippi to spend some summertime with some family members end up being killed you know by someone for her by her husband and her husband brother and other mob of white racist people ladies and gents so she passed away this week and I was about to talk something else about this podcast, but I said, oh no, this is a very, very important topic. So, today you're going to listen, first of all, the report for CBS News on Block 1 that came right out of the, no, the, the, the news that she is no longer on this earth. So, let me stop, by, stop my background music over here. So, you can listen to... This very interesting report. This is CBS News, ladies and gents, and also under the description on my YouTube channel, you will see the link of both videos that you listen today. So if you like to watch it yourself, so here we go. Carolyn Bryant Dunham, the white woman who accused Emmett Till of making advances towards her, has died. 14-year-old Emmett Till was kidnapped and brutally murdered by Bryant's then-husband and his half-brother in Mississippi in 1955 over the allegation. The two men were acquitted in his killing by an all-white jury, but later confessed in an interview. The case gained national attention after Emmett Till's mother allowed Jet Magazine to take and publish photos of her son's mutilated body in an open casket. The horrific image shocked the nation and served as the catalyst for the civil rights movement. Years after Till's death, Dunham 
admitted to fabricating parts of her story, although she was never charged with a crime. Professor Davis Haupt joins us now. He is a professor of rhetorical studies at Florida State University, and he helped found the Emmett Till Memory Project. He also co-authored a book about the media response to Till's murder. Professor Haupt, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me on, Jim. Sure, I'd like to start uh, by asking you about sort of any interactions you had with the Bryant family. I did. Back in 2009, uh, word got out that the family was shopping a memoir. And I edited a book series with the University Press of Mississippi, and so I figured, why not? Uh, I wrote a note to the family. I had an address, and I sent it. And, of course, I didn't figure I'd hear anything. Well, a week later, uh, I get a phone call from a woman who identifies herself as Marsha Bryant. Marsha Bryant is Carolyn Bryant's uh, daughter-in-law. And Marsha Bryant, first of all, wanted to know, you know, how did you know we had a, had a manuscript? And, uh, and then proceeded to talk my ear off for about a half an hour about her mom being innocent. And, and the family's really never spoken. And so I just tried to keep her on the line, keep her talking. Uh, but I'll never forget how she signed off as we were, as we were getting ready to hang up. Uh, she said, you know, your, your, uh, your letter came in the mail. And another letter came in the mail with it. And in that letter was a death threat. And so what I gathered from that was the family worked very hard over many years to protect her because I think those death threats were, were not uncommon. All right. So Carolyn Brown herself hardly gave any interviews after the case. But if we have this right, in 2008, she reportedly told a historian by the name of Tim Tyson that key parts of her testimony were not true. So how does all of that figure into what her daughter-in-law was telling you? And what do you make of it? Well, the FBI investigated Tim Tyson's claim that Carolyn Bryant supposedly recanted to him. And they did not find that evidence credible from Tim Tyson. And this summer, the, the memoir, the unpublished memoir leaked. And for me, what's interesting is in that memoir, she sticks exactly to the story she gave on the witness stand on September 22nd, 1955. So I take her at her word, and her word we know is 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 really just a bunch of lies. Uh, we know this because in, on September 2nd, just two days after Emmett's body was discovered, um, she uh, she was interviewed by a lawyer, and in that kind of deposition, she uh, she she indicates what happened in that store. Uh, and Emmett did not put his hands on her. He did not talk dirty to her. He did not talk fresh to her. He did not talk about being with white women before. Uh, and so those were lies that she concocted on the witness stand three weeks later. I just want to be clear about this, Professor. Never in the years after this did she ever express even a syllable of remorse, correct? Well, in her memoir, she does uh, do that, but she never did it in front of a camera. Um, she never did it in a, in a public venue. So you're right. Uh, we, the, the Emmett Till community, the family wanted to hear from her directly, but that never happened. All right. So the Bryant family obviously has had to live uh, connected to this with a legacy. Uh, I'm just curious, um, have any of the other generations said anything about this in the almost 70 years uh, since? They really haven't. They've kept a real tight lid on her story. What I'll be interested to see is in the days and weeks ahead, uh, did Carolyn Bryant perhaps leave instructions for somebody to talk? Uh, and we'll see. Um, 
we've long wanted the family to say something. But again, uh, the sons, the grandkids, nobody has said a word. It's so important, obviously, to continue to tell the story of what mm -hmm. happened. Uh, you have the Emory Till Memory Project uh, that you helped found to help do that. Can you just give us a little bit of mm -hmm. insight into what the Emmett Till Memory Project is all about? Yeah, I'm happy to. So we founded this project back in 2015. It was a joint project uh, between the University of Kansas, my colleague Dave Tell, uh, and Patrick Weems at the Emmett Till Interpretive Center and my colleagues here at Florida State. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to ed educate a new generation, uh, especially younger generations who are growing up on smartphones and who can go to the Mississippi Delta as well as Chicago and study the case from their phones. So it's a GPS-enabled app that takes you from site to site and tells the story along with archival images as well as pretty detailed narratives of what happened at that particular location. Professor Davis Hauck doing some important work making sure the memory of Emmett Till is preserved and what happened to him is never forgotten. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, your boy Casanova is going to take a quick break. When I come back, I have the interview related to the author that was mentioned on Tim Tayson about the book that he wrote and some very important information. Your boy Casanova is coming back shortly. All right, ladies and gents, on the next, this welcome to Good Wine and Great Laugh, second, the final block of today's episode, ladies and gents, and, well, the next video that I had, this video is about six years old, just to let you know, when this gentleman, Tim Tyson, Tyson, I think Tim Tyson, author Tim Tyson, that's, I'm sorry, Tim Tyson, that his name uh, wrote this book called The Blood of Emmett Till, and he was interviewed by co-host Gail King on CBS News. And even though this interview is six years old, I never saw this interview before, and has some important details about the whole case. So, ladies and gentlemen, check it out and listen to this. Hello, CBSN and Facebook Live. We welcome you. This is what happens so often on CBS This Morning, which I hope is your favorite morning show. You get a great guest. They've written a great book. They're a great talker. And then before you know it, the time is gone. This is what happened to me this morning on CBS This Morning. And I went and said, Tim, will you please stay behind so we can t continue our conversation? And darn if Tim Tyson. Hello, Tim Tyson. Good morning. The author, may I mention the name of the book? That would be all right with me. The name of the book is The Blood of Emmett Till, which, by the way, I have to tell you, is a uh, division, is a Simon and Schuster book, which, as you know, is a division of CBS. But that's not why I wanted to talk to you, as great as that that partnership is. 
I was so moved by this book. We all know the story of Emmett Till, but I've never heard it explained the way that you explained it. And as difficult as it was to read, I can't imagine what it was like for you to write. And the reason why this book is getting so much attention now, in addition to the the history of this brutal case, you talked to Carolyn Bryant for the very first time, the woman who made the accusations which led to the brutal and gory death of Emmett Till. Yes. How did that come about? Because when I first heard it, I thought, wow, how did he track her down? Well, I didn't track her down at all. I was working on another project, and uh, I got a phone call from her daughter-in-law. I didn't know that, and she's from a nice woman Mm -hmm. who said she had liked uh, Blood Done Sign My Name, my previous book. And then I was thanking her and just getting off the phone, Mm -hmm. and she heard that and said, well, my mother-in-law's coming next week, and we'd really like to have coffee with you. And you said he was your mother-in-law. No, I said, I pretended she hadn't said it. Oh, that's just It was it. warm okay. and polite, but I was getting off the phone. Okay. And uh, she heard that in my voice and said, you might know about my mother-in-law. Her name is, was Carolyn Bryant. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize that name? Because I would have not know. You, you knew the name. I'm a historian of the Civil okay, Rights of Movement, of the Black South, of, of uh, the United States in the 20s. Everybody that I, you know, in my so field which, knows that Carolyn, Carolyn Bryant, Bryant never... Hasn't said a mumbling word since 1955. Has never granted an interview. Has dodged reporters and scholars, and so so I knew she hadn't done anything. And here, you know, she was really being dropped in your lap. And you thought, what? Of course, you wanted to talk to her. Of course, you wanted to talk to her. Sure. I thought it was that I would just uh, interview her, Mm -hmm. which she that they wanted me to, Mm -hmm. and then place the interview in the archives. And that some historian in the future would be very grateful to me. Yeah. But, and, you know, that would put, she was part of the story that we didn't have on record. And uh, so, and I, my sense is that she wanted to speak her, her piece for posterity. Well, she had something to tell. And the reason why this is so interesting to me, exciting and sad to me, too, also makes me angry is that she's now recanting her story, which led to the heinous, horrific death of this little boy. And I want to talk about Emmett in just a second. Because, you know, we were always led to believe that there was this wolf whistle, that she was assaulted, that he physically touched her, and she was 21 at the time, Emmett Till was 14. So you're sitting there, you all at a table having coffee. Set the circumstance where you had this conversation. We were having some pound cake and coffee, Uh and she... uh, she sort of muttered almost to herself, uh, oh, they're all dead now anyway. Mm-hmm. Meaning her relatives, people who would be hurt by this or would be upset by this. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, said of the, of the physical uh, assault, said that part's not true. Not true. Now let's talk about so, that because that physical assault was very important. Yeah, they it, said he had... He had r- grabbed her around the waist, that he had w- wouldn't let her go, that she, you know, couldn't, had a hard time escaping from him. That he, she, that he had asked her, "Do you want to date?" Yeah. And he had yeah. said, "You know, oh, I date white women." Except he used He's, the word. Yeah. The, the word was so upsetting to her, she didn't even want to say the word. Right. Which starts with an F, and she didn't even want to say that it started with an F. That he refused to let her go, and that when he was paying for the candy or whatever he was buying in the store, that their hands touched. Yes. And that was a violation. So, but she says none of that was true. Right. What was true, and nothing justifies what happened. 
But she also said. She says, yeah, she said nothing that that, that boy, boy did, did could ever justify what happened to him. Because what we know is that he he whistled, he did whistle at her. Yes. He did whistle uh, at her. That was the cousins who were with him said that to reporters mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, yeah, that that much was true. She had she had come out of the store. Clearly, he made her angry. Yeah. But I don't know about afraid because he and his, his cousins and some other folks were hanging around right in front of the store. Mm -hmm. She walked out through them mm -hmm. to get into the car she was and angry. got a pistol under the seat of the car. And when she was getting the pistol out, uh, Emmett whistled at her to the astonishment of his cousins, who then loaded everybody in the car. Said, Let's and, go. Because yeah, yeah, even his cousin said, we don't know why he whistled, because everybody knew that that was a big no-no. Yeah. And you point out in the book, if she was so afraid, why would she walk through this group of boys to go to her, her car? Yeah, she, she was, might have bolted the front door, yeah, for instance. And called for her help. Her sister-in-law was in the back. Mm -hmm. It's a meat market. She could have gotten a big butcher knife and, you know. So, so Tim, why did she lie? Why did she embellish this story? She was, she was more or less, I don't mean to make excuses for her because it was a, it was a, a terrible thing. I just would think it's, she was, her, when she, when her husband was in jail, her brother-in-law came in, another brother-in-law came in mm -hmm. and said, well, they found the body. Mm-hmm. And she said, Roy told me they we didn't. say her husband and brother-in-law were accused. Yeah, but there were many other brothers-in-law. Right. So one of them came through and said, well, they found the body. And she said, Roy said they didn't do it. Roy's her husband, yeah. And she, he said, well, Roy didn't do it. Melvin did it. Mm -hmm. uh, still doesn't explain why she lied. And she said, well, why is it Melvin in jail? Why is Roy in jail? Mm -hmm. But, of course, they all had participated in this brutal lynching. Mm -hmm. And no, the person who fired the fatal shot is almost immaterial. Uh, he would have died anyway. Because he was beaten. He was beaten. I mean, and you describe it, and this is what was so hard to read. I had to close the book for a second. He was beaten beyond recognition. His yes. eyes were gouged out. He was stabbed. An ear was cut off. You know, there was a witness that heard him. They broke his femur. It's they the strongest his bone in the yeah. human body. You yeah. have to jump up and down on yeah. it. Yeah, right. His and his skull was just was shattered in uh, many pieces. Mm -hmm. Because, and you also point out in the book that back then. White men were killing black boys and black men. This was not an uncommon occurrence, and you talk about different stories in the no. book. In but fact, this the, one was different. Emmett Till sort of drops down into a political setting where myth, white Mississippi is in a furor because of the Brown versus Board of Education decision earlier that year. About schools. And, and which the NAACP was, was moving. Uh, they were filing, gathering black parents and filing integration petitions to go for their children to go to previously white schools. So people were very upset about that. Oh, that was, that was, yeah, they were very upset and were organizing. The Citizens Council was spreading like wildfire. The, and also uh, the NAACP and others were pushing voter registration. And so were, the, all of this played into yeah, black what people was couldn't happening. vote in Mississippi. I there were know. majority black, black county, majority black counties that had not one black registered voter. So all of this played into this, the timing of the death of Emmett Till. Yeah. People were angry, and then two, people, people two were voter offended. registration activists yeah. were assassinated 
you know, in the five weeks or so before Emmett Till was killed. He, in some ways, if we were in the military, we might say he was collateral damage. Yeah. It, wasn't a, it wasn't an act of repressing the civil rights movement to kill him, mm-hmm. but it was part of the atmosphere of war that was going on in Mississippi at the time. At the time. And let's talk about Emmett Till. He's 14 years old. He was yes. from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So he had gone to visit relatives in mm-hmm. Mississippi. Yes. And I love that his mom, Mamie, God bless her, she wanted people to see him, you write, as a human being and not a victim of a horrible crime. Yes. And so before he went to visit the relatives in Mississippi, she sat down and talked to him. She said, how do you explain hatred to a little boy who's only known love? Yeah. What was her message to her son as he was going to visit these relatives in southern Mississippi? Like so many uh, black folk in Chicago, she, had, she was born in Mississippi and she had deep roots there. And she visited often. And she... Uh, so she was telling him about sort of Southern racial etiquette, mm-hmm. that he could be innocent of race and segregation and live in Chicago is simply not possible. Mm-hmm. So loved, he knew he about He loved race. to play baseball. Right. The, the parks in Chicago were the focus mm-hmm. of racial violence on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And the, so your point in that is that he was familiar. There were you racial issues. He, you could not know where to where to play baseball and, and where not to play baseball. But the South was different, though, Tim. Yeah, it is, it is different. Uh-huh. You know, but Chicago is, in many ways, is more segregated than Mississippi. But what did she told her son before he went to Mississippi? She uh, set him down. Not to look at white women. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't, you know, look people in the face. Keep your, be humble, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... And at the time, he was with his cousins when he went in the store, and he did, everybody, everybody agrees at the time, he did whistle at her. Mm-hmm. And he went, he goes home to his, his relative's home, and they come in the middle of the night, yeah. Carolyn's husband and a, yes. a group of family members, and literally drag him out of the house. Yeah. And, and he's it's a never, terrifying scene. It, it's terrifying the way you yeah. read about it. And he's dragged out of the house never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. But at the time they thought, okay, it was a minor thing, but no big deal. But they knew things had changed when those men showed up. And you write very graphically about that scene and this yeah. little boy being removed. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a hard story to write. Now think about the, the fear in that house, the terror. In the dark with flashlights, men reeking of whiskey, carrying pistols and threatening the life of, her, of his... Uh, Great uncle, mm-hmm. Reverend Wright, and I think about Reverend Wright often about what it must have felt like to uh, to watch that car go down that road. Yeah, with, yeah. You, you know, with your your niece's boy. I felt that. I'm you know? telling you, I felt the way you wrote it. I, I can't. It was hard for me to read. I can't imagine what it was like for you to write. This was. A, it, it took me a long time to write this book. I see your book. eyes going there, Tim. And uh, it took me a long time to write this book. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I, I, I you interviewed her, but you didn't, yes. you didn't reveal this interview for seven years later? Yeah. Well, it, it took, it took uh, eight years, really, to, to write the book. It took about seven years to do the research because it's a huge, this is a global story. So Why didn't you tell us at the evidence. time that you had this interview? Why did you know, I never even thought about, uh, you know, announcing it as, you know, I'm a historian, yeah. you know, we don't think in terms of, you know, the media and the moment, you know. Uh, you didn't think this was big, that I, what you had here at the time? 
uh, I, I knew that it was significant that she, 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 she uh, had, had spoken about it, but, uh, and that she had never spoken before. I knew that. But in truth, this is not, you know, Carolyn's story. This is uh, Emmett's story, this is story. Yeah. and it's a story about America, about uh, how America changed, about how you know a, a courageous mother mm-hmm. who's also very politically savvy yeah. mobilized people, mobilized black Chicago. Thank goodness for me, yes. because she With, said, I want people to see what they did to my that's boy. That's what she said. And that was a game changer. Yeah. But I want to talk about Emmett because I learned for the first time he was 5'4". Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that was such an interesting little nugget, that he was a stocky kid, mm-hmm. that he was playful, that he was mischievous, that he had a big heart. I mean, you yeah. really, I really felt like you let us get to know him, and I was so grateful to you for that. Yeah, well, there was a lot. Uh, his, his mother wrote a memoir mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really good, uh, and, and uh, th- that gave me some of him. But then uh, you, from the... Uh, from the news accounts, people who interviewed his relatives, you got lots of little fragments of things. You know, the the neighbor woman who told about how uh, Emmett uh, made his mother a cake, and uh, he couldn't cook. He didn't know anything about making yeah, a cake, yeah. and it was of course, he just made a mess. But he was making it for his mom. He was making it for his mom. And uh, where does Carolyn Bryant, as one as one of the rare people who has seen her and talked to her? Where does she sit with you? Because when I was reading her words, I, I have to say, I didn't feel remorse. I felt it was just sort of matter of fact, well, this is what happened. They're all dead now. And then he said this, and then I did. I did not feel remorse from her. Did you, sitting there face-to-face with her, feel that? Yeah, I did. There was did. remorse, and there was pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, she's far from the most important victim in the story. You're right. But, you know, as my, as my father says, uh, we're, we're punished. Not not uh, for our sins. We're punished by our sins. Yeah. Nobody ever gets away with anything, yeah. you know. And this, you know, hurt her badly. Uh, the way uh, I, she's not the first murderer I ever interviewed. I, not that she's not exactly a murderer. She's uh, involved yeah. in yeah. around a murder, but uh, and and you know that. People, you, you know, you, they do despicable things, but when you meet them, you realize that, you know, uh, they're, they're kind of a dried up husk of a person that, that, uh, uh, that they've been damaged by what they have done and not done. Mm-hmm. So you did feel that she was remorseful for what? Yeah, what it, was she... a, it was a source of uh, pain and, and guilt, and she, she often thought of Mamie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she's a mother, the and mother. she lost a son too mm-hmm. later, and uh, she, when that happened, she said she uh, thought about Mamie and how terrible Mamie must feel. Because of course that was even worse. Her son died of a of illness, but she thought about how Mamie must feel yeah, about because, her son being being tortured to death. Yeah, because you write very graphically uh, the circumstances of his death, and I also think too they had a trial. Yeah. You know, white men tried all white jury against the white defendants, they were, of course, acquitted. Mm-hmm. And just how that became really a game changer in civil rights after people saw the body and heard the circumstances. Yeah. And years later, you know, nine of the 12 jurors said, we all knew that he was guilty, but it's yeah. just that you, you talk about an interesting thing in the case, that if he was guilty, he almost deserved to die because he had violated 
you know, the, the standards of purity, which was interesting. Yeah. The, 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 his defense attorneys essentially argued that they hadn't done it and that Emmett Till had it coming. Mm -hmm. They hadn't done it, but if they had done it, he had it coming. Yeah. Yeah. You even write about a time in the trial where they questioned Mamie about, are you sure that was your son? Because she identified the body. Right. And they said, well, the body was so badly decomposed. How do you even know that was your son? That made me so mad. Yeah. As a mother who they had to look knew, at her son. They knew that was her son. Yes. You know, Sheriff Strider, who was supposed to investigate the thing, uh, said, oh, that body was in the uh, water at least 10 days. Yeah. So it couldn't have been him. Yeah. And said that the NAACP had gotten a body somehow and put it in the river. And that, you know, Emmett Till was up, up in uh, yeah. Chicago or Detroit somewhere. That the NAACP had staged this for right. attention. That's right. I, and how do you know if the body was black or if it was white because yeah. it was so he bad? He said he couldn't tell if the body was yeah. black or white. Yeah. I always wondered, how did you know to go to the black funeral home? That's right. <laughs> they take the body to the yeah. black funeral home. Yeah. Let's leave with this because you closed the book that, that I thought was very, also very powerful about not the killing, but the, the children of Emmett Till. Because yeah. you write one of the most important things to go beyond the brutal facts of his murder, but to grapple with the meaning of this case. And what do you want to leave us with? This story is an American story that has spoken to generations of people because it became a kind of metaphor for American racial injustice and the struggle against it. The, the sit-in, the people who organized the sit-ins, the young people, who organized the sit-ins in 1960. Mm -hmm. They were 15 and 19. They were Emmett Till's age. In fact, some of them uh, called themselves the Emmett Till generation. Mm -hmm. You know, that changed the course of American history, that, that this created a movement. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's very important not to just leave it as some kind of Southern horror story. One thing, that gets America off the hook. Yeah. You know, this was about a social system of which this murder was an almost inevitable product. You know, the system rested upon violence, right? And America let that happen. There were two black boys lynched in 1942 in Mississippi, and there was a photograph of their bodies with the rope still around their neck, battered. And the New York Times ran that on page 25, mm -hmm. a little article, and declined to use the photograph. And you don't want to let America off the hook. And as we sit no, here today in no. 2017, what is your message? What are your thoughts? That it's not about the horror, as, 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 as terrible as that is, but what it's about is how people how responded to that and how they organized a movement, a national movement, that toppled the system that had killed Emmett Till and many, many others like him. And uh, that changed our history because people stood up. And the question is, you know, still in the, in the, with an enormous chasm of race, still with brutal racial injustice, mm -hmm. what are we going to do about it? You know? Tim, Tyson, I thank you. I, as I said to you this morning, this book was very difficult to read, but I'm so grateful that you've written it. Yeah. You have a lot, of, a lot of insight that we didn't know, important lessons for us to learn, and a, certainly a lot to think about. Thank you. I, I can't thank you enough, really, Gail.
No, I, I think appreciate it. Your, I really appreciate your, your that you deep wrote reading. this. No, I wrote it. I read it deep. The name of the book, before we go, is The Blood of Emmett Till. The author is Timothy B. Tyson. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard, now this awesome interview. Once again, the book's name is The Bloods of Emmett Till by Timothy B. Tyson. So for those who like to read, I read now and then, but definitely I'm interested in parts of this book. And that was very detailed information about the situation. And once again, this interview was in 2017, but have some very, very important details related to the passing of Caroline Bryant. And my two cents about this, ladies and gents, for those that listen to this podcast, if you remember the podcast that I that I talk about the 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 Pope's uh, Father Gabriel Amos, the Pope Exorcist. I give more details on my YouTube channel, ladies and for if you do not have to watch my YouTube channel, go ahead. I will relate it to this. Once again, the topic was uh, Gabriel Amorth, the Pope's exorcist. And on that particular video, I say one thing that I truly believe. That's called, that life has two chapters. Okay, chapter number one, you are, you are born, you're going to leave, you're going to some some going through this life, some good and bad, now struggles, happiness, and tribulations, and one day we will all die. This is chapter one, okay, and within chapter one, that's one thing that I say all the time, what we do on this earth, it goes to eternity, and then chapter two is the beginning of eternity for you. So regardless of your uh, religious belief, my personal belief is this, that one day we will give account of everything that we did on this earth. So now, according to Mr. Tyson, you know, and the first report that's mentioned that she may was remorse. I mean, he said something about it, but according to the interview with Miguel King, she doesn't sound like she was remorseful. She was just telling you the thing, but on her, she never came clean in public to say, no, her, to come clean with her wrongdoing or by accusing Emmett for talking fresh to grab her. Now talk dirty to her and talk fresh to her. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not I'm I'm not judging nobody. I'm not judging her because she's already have too much to, to do. Now starting on her eternity, you know. All I'm gonna say is this, ladies and I'm not going beat down on the dead. Because like I say, we nobody knows but her and God. You know, and I also found this interesting article that was written, was published in the New York Times, was written by Margaret Fox. It was published on April 27th, 2023. 
And one thing they say right here in the article she wrote that only two people knew exactly what happened during the minute they were alone together in the general store in Money, Mississippi on August 24, 1955. One was until a black teenager visiting from Chicago died four days later at 14 in a brutal mur murder that stand out even in America's long history of racial injustice. The other one was Carolyn Bryant. She was a 21 years old white lady, owner of the store, where according to her testimony in September 1955, the trial of her husband and his half-brother for the murder of Emmett Till, Emmett made a sexually suggestive remarks to her grabbed her roughly by the waist and let loose a wolf whistle. So, like I say, and I basically say the only two people, I'll say three, because God was watching what happened. You know what I'm saying? In that situation, and all the lies that she came up with end up with the killing of MD Till. And now, ladies and gents, she has to give account to the mighty power of her deeds on this earth. So, am I going to say, Carolyn, some people, I saw a bunch of videos, and I saw a couple of videos on YouTube that say there are some people celebrating. My podcast today is not a podcast of celebration, it's a podcast of accountability, because... Even though she did not went to jail, she did not went, she did not come clean on this earth. You know what I mean? That's the afterlife, ladies and gents. That you cannot forget about that. So it's been like I say, in the last moment, you don't know. You never know. Maybe she on her last moment of her before she gave her last breath. She may, she may not confess her sins and talk to God. Neither, I don't know. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? Now, did she die alone? Or did she die because according to some reports, she was a nurse in her home. So I don't think, I don't think, I'm not, no, I do not know either. I do not read any reports. The family members were there around her on her last minute. I don't know that she could be now, my main point is this, ladies and gentlemen. If she say, confess her sins, you know, and all mischief things that she did do wrong on this earth to the mighty God, the God that I know is a God of forgiveness. Even though we may not agree with, you know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not your business. You know what I'm saying? God is a God for a reason. So, you know what I'm saying? But if she had not done that... There's a probability that she's not in a good place right now. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to beat the drum, you know what I'm saying? Because I I don't wish... No, I, I don't wish bad things should happen to people. Like I say, you, all I'm going to say is whatever you do on this earth, it goes to eternity. And then what I say, my question on my podcast related to... The father Gabriel Moth is this. How are you living? You know what I'm saying, ladies and gents? 
So that's the thing that I want to bring to this podcast. You know what I mean? So chapter two for her started now. And that's no comeback. And that's the thing. There's no comeback. There's no way we can tell the other people, hey, I'm roasted or whatever. You know, don't live like I lived. You know, there's no message. There's no email, text message from the, the other side of, the, or the upper room to us. There are beliefs. You know what I'm saying? There's, there are beliefs. Some people don't believe in anything. Some people believe in a lot of stuff. And now I'm just can't say about my life. You know what I mean saying? And what I believe and what I expected. So, and here we go. That's what I'm going to say. And here we go. Here comes the turrets in chapter one. And that's a long, it's a forever, forever chapter, ladies and gentlemen. So once again, if you want to purchase this book, and I'm not getting no money from that, I'm just, it's going to be an interesting book. To read, of course, as a matter of fact, I'm going to look at it for this book to read myself. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm going to say, Miss Carolyn Bryant, you are now ripping what you sow. And that note, ladies and gents, I would like to thank all of you people that listen to this awesome international podcast. Good wine and great love. So please keep sharing with all your friends and family. Good wine and great love podcasts come all the way from the bottom and move straight to the top, aiming to be the number one spot. So please feel free to visit my YouTube channel, leave your comments, please subscribe, and click on the like button every video, video that you watch it. Because the subscription and the click on the like button is going to help this podcast to grow and to be spread out nation and worldwide. So once again, this is your podcast and over. Please be safe, be kind, and be blessed. And I will see you next weekend. Holla! Push your mouth back like a push I want the block.